I'm Jerry Durham. And I'm Andrew Rothschild. And we are the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, bringing you information, ideas, and thoughts from the outer edges of healthcare, and sometimes even from outside of healthcare, where the true changes will occur. What we believe is the singular focus on the patient will bring about the only true change in healthcare. Thank you for coming and enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome back to the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. On today's episode, I got a big, 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 big surprise. It's like Batman goes away on a you know journey to find himself and comes back and Robin's gone. And that's kind of how it's been on the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. And now this week, I got my Robin back. Uh, welcome back to Andrew. Hey, uh, thanks. Uh, good, great to be back. Very great to be back. So if you guys look closely at the logo his name is right there and I don't know if you look past it the other day I posted something on Instagram and I hit the logo and I looked at it and I went oh shit Andrew's name is on there I'd almost forgotten about him so fortunately we have uh, got as I like to say in this episode is going to be called and is called is the band is back together you know I saw well hold up because the band is back together and just like any band, you know, the fucking drummer, Andrew, thinks he can do it better on his own. So, Andrew, on that note, why don't you tell us what you've been doing these days? Well, I, uh, I went out and I did start my own podcast called the Physical Therapy Soapbox Podcast. Of course. Podcast. But it is different in the sense oh, that... Oh, different. It's yes. different than all the other podcasts. Are you guys waiting? Get ready. Well, you would like it, Jerry, because it's focused on the patient. It's focused on the people as the intended audience. It's not intended for really for physical therapists. I wanted to do it, uh, especially for my local, um, you know, local clinic area, especially in Richmond, Virginia, and just bring them just up to date... Uh, quality information on just general physical therapy, health and wellness. A lot of times it's just me giving a little seven to 10 minute talk on something, but I'm also bringing in some local and regional subject matter experts to talk about all things sort of health and wellness. So we recently had Patrick Berner on and Mike Eisenhardt on, um, and then we're also going to have some local physicians, uh, you know, even some chefs, even some psychologists, kind of getting a, a whole kind of wide range of people, lawyers, uh, uh, pharmacists. Uh, you lost me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and even uh, police officers. Just talk, just general health, wellness, and just good some good basic info for uh, for the local area. So you did that. Uh, so community stuff, like the role the community plays, right? And obviously. Yeah. Safety, it's health and safety, right, is freaking huge. So that yeah, sounds absolutely. really cool. That yeah. sounds like a great lineup. Um, what a great combo. I would love to get more psychologists on my side. And speaking of which, I've got to get F. Scott on here because he's almost a PhD in education. And education to me is all psychology anyway. So the other thing, uh, just on a side note, um, once you find the nutritionist who is really bought in and really believes in the margarita and tortilla chip diet please put me in touch with them because i want to engage them and pay them oh we didn't cover that on uh with patrick burner so i really don't know what his stance is on it fully but well as i like to tell patrick and mike um tequila is 100 percent vegetarian so i thought it was pla i thought it was plant-based so it's, it's all plant-based right still, well, so is bourbon right it's great <clears throat> that's what going i say the, man going in the right direction at least I mean, yeah, my Tito's is gluten-free. So, I mean, whichever direction I go, I just do it because it's healthy, people. That's the only reason. The chips are tough because that's more of a refined. Yeah, I know. And that, and Patrick just posted a uh, – I got to go back and look at it. Patrick posted a post today about the ultra-processed foods. And cancer risk, yeah. I've always been a believer in that. And I got to tell you, just as a side note, I took a trip to Europe in early 90s. No, mid nineties, late nineties. And the thing that baffled me, I, it still sticks to me to this day. And I wasn't looking at it with the same mindset. There was no freezer section in the grocery store when I went, which tells you, Hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, going in, even whole foods now is playing this game. All you walk into whole foods, they drive you straight to the frozen section right down the middle. Yeah. Well, it's, and some frozen stuff is good. Frozen veggies still good. Frozen fruit still good. That kind of stuff is good. But 
that is the bulk of it down the middle for them, but they got a lot of frozen process stuff. So, yeah. Hey, uh, why don't you uh, just bring everybody up to speed with where you are? I know you said in the Virginia area, but bring everybody up to speed with the clinic and uh, what's going on. Because maybe even with this podcast, some people probably don't know some of the people that are working there, some of the new hires you have. There. So, yeah. So I am uh, with the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy. We're uh, outside Richmond, Virginia in Midlothian, Virginia. And uh, so Eric Jordy is one person on Twitter people name right recognize, as well as Brandon Poen is new to our clinic. He treat recent uh, transplant from Michigan came to join us. And Brandon is the host of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast with F. Scott. And he's also my man behind the scenes at uh, the Physical Therapy Soapbox. And it's been, it's been a great addition. Yeah, it seems so. That guy is, <clears throat> I don't know how the hell, I just saw they're going to have Chad Cook on. Yeah. D-H-E-T. And probably by the time this rolls out, it will have already been out. So I would highly recommend uh, everybody go search out. They've got they've got so much content. I'd highly recommend you go and scroll down their feed. Yet I'm going to be looking forward to the Chad Cook content. Uh, one of my highlights of my week among many was Chad Cook uh, actually responded to me on Twitter this week. So I'm just going to ride that wave. I saw that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And it's pretty cool. Uh, God, to this day, man, the connections and the research and the research people that I've connected with um, that have helped to educate me and help me to uh, to dig a little deeper into some of my beliefs and giving me content and Twitter is just to this day is still the best venue I've personally been on since all these platforms were founded. So, well, and think, you know, how did I, how did I know, get to know Brandon was through first on Twitter. Yeah. And that's how he reached out to me when he knew he was moving to the Richmond area. And then, you know, I knew him from just interacting with him. And then one thing led to another. And look at that. It's a great See, connection. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I mean, here he is working there now. And you guys connected on Twitter. And then connected on Twitter about him moving out there. And there he works. So there is good to be had on uh, social media. You just got to work at it a little more. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, we were... Uh, I think the last time we were together, I really actually enjoyed it was, was it the recap episode, dude? Which one was it? And we did, we did a couple episodes about the, uh, the life cycle, went through a couple stages. Then, then you had, a, that led right into the one you had with Jeff Moore, I think, uh, with the customer arrival, if I well, remember correctly. Yeah, that was good. And if anybody's looking for that, I pulled it down because I'm now charging for it. And if you didn't get it on the first pass, that's your bad. It sat there. It is the the most listened to podcast uh, in my of all my episodes. And I sat there, and the more I listened to it, it was like, "What the hell is this thing doing up here for free?" And you know, I interviewed Jeff before, and I've gone back and listened to a lot of our content over the last week. And th the early stuff is still—it's almost two years old. It's still as applicable as hell. And I was actually surprised. I went back and listened to our. Well, hello, Gemma. I went back and listened to our episode five the other day, and uh, I had not realized I was using some of the terminology that I'm using now all the way back then. So it was good to go back through. So, you know, go back and listen and listen closely, people, because you think you hear me wrong. Yet, if you want to hear the first 15 episodes Andrew and I did, you go to iTunes and type in healthcare disruption, nothing else. If you want to find episodes 16 through 24, you go to iTunes and type in Healthcare Disruption Podcast. You will find it there. The other place to find 16 through 24 is on my website, jerrydurhampt.com forward slash podcast. And uh, you can find all the up-to-date um, podcasts along with the show notes and links to the speakers. And uh, I just think the last four or five have just been awesome with John Wolf. And then Alex Ingar and uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Will Boyd talking uh, healthcare digital marketing. So it's been good. And I've got, got some great stuff coming up soon, or maybe it played before this. I don't know, but I still got great stuff coming up. So uh, how's the bookshelf, Andrew? Look, I got three now, bro. I just noticed that. Yeah. So bookshelf uh, is good. <clears throat> yeah. Andrew and I share the same bookshelf and, uh, I just have three of them and he has one, but I'm not begging on you. I'm just saying I got more. So, and by the way, I, you know, it's hard because 
giving away my books, it'd be like going, well, I mean, my kids, I enjoyed them, you know, I'm going to give them away. But I think I might go through and put some together and do a giveaway. By the way, I just ordered a load of Matt Watkinson books and has been, and I've been back in contact with him. I'm going to do something live with him, dude. I'm going back to that book again. It is cuckoo. That was our second and third podcast. Yeah. You got it, dude. Right, right there. Fuck, still the best book ever. Best book I've written, I've read on this because he pulled it all together. So, yeah. um, what, what, what kind of questions you got, Andrew? You got questions? You got answers? What, what do well, you want to talk about today? I have questions for you just because you've been out traveling, uh, traveling the country. Uh, yeah, so it's met, been fun. Uh, going back and forth the past several months. So I was curious in terms of, you know, not just you've been taking courses as well as teaching. So I was curious what you've learned through that process of not only the, not only the taking of courses, the content you've gathered, but also what you've been teaching and how that has shaped the customer life cycle, not, like I said, not necessarily on the, the macro step level, but even on those micro levels it, within the steps, what have you found? What have you changed? What have you implemented? Things like that. You know, I, I think the best idea is to go backwards because it's been kind of interesting. So I just got back from uh, Kansas, from Wichita, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, what's what's happening and where this has been going. Hold on one second. I got a cough. When I originally started this, and you know this, Andrew, because we spent so much time together talking and doing all our stuff. When I first started this, I thought this was a, I thought this was kind of like a unique niche, really small world I was going to be in, existing in with, with these clinics that weren't like other clinics. And you can define that however you want. I don't want to use, well, I might as well. You know, I looked at maybe the out-of-network clinics and the strict, straight-up, just-take-cash out-of-pocket clinics, and I thought they were really going to be my target. What has happened now as of, uh, you know, 2018, this first quarter, is I have found that everybody, and I shared this recently, everybody is starting to look at the patient experience and seeing the value. And remember, value is defined by the user, so what do they see? They see that there needs to be a change in their current model, in their current system that exists above and beyond delivering provider-driven care onto something else. And I've been engaged in working with two clinics separately, pretty good size. And uh, the great thing, so my big takeaway from my last trip was being in front of 200 people. And what was cool is billing people were there, front desk people were there, back office people were there, the uh, PT aides were there, PT assistants were there, physical therapists were there, the whole team was there and everybody had input, everybody participated in the discussion. And my biggest takeaway was this, if you really wanna drive real change, you gotta get everybody in the room, not necessarily at the same time, but you gotta have everybody in the room talking about this patient experience because what came out of these two days in the Midwest besides it being cold was what came out of it really was this whole thing around there were people in the room who had never met the people from the billing and insurance verification side face to face. Right? So they were meeting them for the first time. And I would argue they also were hearing for the first time, the importance of those people, right? And the importance of the team. So everybody got to hear about, right? What everybody's role was. So you've got to have the whole team in on it. Prior to that, I was in, where, what, what month is this? Oh, I uh, went to Canada. And again, this is pretty interesting because everybody, oh, Canada is so different. And I've shared this on my podcast. Oh, Canada is so different. It's like, well, let's see. They have humans. They have humans who live in homes. They have humans who need healthcare. The only thing that's different, and it just goes to show the focus of us here in the States, the only thing is different is the way their insurance works. And the more you talk to them, it ain't that much fucking different. Yet, the biggest thing that's the same is they're still people. They're still emotional beings that care about certain things, that have biases and beliefs just like you and I. 
And so going to Canada and teaching the patient experience, and I would argue they were all, they were more engaged and ready to participate in the patient experience discussion better than some of the uh, people I've talked to up here. Oh, down here, because I'd be Canada up there. So that that's where the new year came. And uh, that's those are the big takeaways is the bigger, larger in-network clinics are getting it. So if you're sitting back thinking you're delivering some unique practice model in your in your little world of cash pay or out of network or whatever it is, you're, you're sadly mistaken because everybody has seen the value of this patient experience. Did you get any sort of insight into what was the, what drove them to kind of come to that realization of, of the, of, of the driving the customer experience? Yeah, it is. It was looking at the business metrics and understanding that things they thought should be changing, weren't changing. No show cancel rate. Have you heard anybody talk about no show cancel rate? I mean, you and I talked about that on episode one. Um, no show cancel rate, NPS summaries, and then completed plans of care. Those were the three big things driving this and was their impetus to get me in and then to talk about how those people in the room could bring about that change. So that, that was huge. And the beauty of the completed plan of care, and I beat it like a dead horse, is it's not a business metric. It, it is a... It is an all-encompassing metric that says good for the patient, good for the business, good for the profession, good for healthcare, because a low back pain patient who gets into PT first and is kept out of injections and surgery and the MRI is costing the system a whole lot less. So this completed plan of care metric is, you know, again, I'm calling it the ultimate metric of your business if you could only measure one thing. So that's what was really driving it. And what have you found of what they've implemented? What, what are the big steps that some of those groups have implemented early on, I guess, is the question. Yeah, that, well, don't forget, some of these are just like literally less than a week ago. Um, what I'm finding is people are tuned in, and everybody knows my opinion on this. Everybody is tuned in to the tech side of it, right? And what's good about a couple of these places I've been is they see the value of tech within the model. So nobody is bringing on tech going, Hey, we have this tech solution here. It's, Hey, we have some technology. We need your help to integrate it within the system, Jerry. So that that's the, that's the implementation part. And they don't claim to know, you know, the other stuff yet. They know that tech can help. And, and I think that's important. And, you know, I, I had that talk with Dave Kittle and Rob about, Tech should enable you to do what you should have already been doing. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's, it's like, I guess a lot of times tech can help streamline a lot of the processes, whether it's the initial engagement in terms of with your website or with your front desk, paperwork, or just improving engagement with practitioners, whether it's through something like Vinitial, like Dave Kittle has, or just any kind of other service, text message, email those kinds of processes. So there's always that back and forth, or if there's another system that you have in place with keeping up engagement through social media, email campaigns, follow-ups like with the NPS. Yeah, you're right. That that's the other part of it, right? Where does the email fit in? Where does sending the NPS fit in? So that's even right. That's bringing it down, right? Where does all that fit in? By the way, where does calling people back fit in? <laughs> you know, at what point do you, and we had that discussion a lot because most of these clinics, they give up way too early. And by give up, I mean the doctor sent them a referral and then the person's not calling back. So two things, you're not giving them a reason to call back. And two, what is the conversation the physician's having with them? So you got to work harder to get back in there and go, what are you telling these people? Because they're not even calling us back. Right. And so, right. And again, where does this tech fit in? There's, there, there are ways to engage this to get people, you know, hey, just call us back for a 15-minute phone consult, right? It doesn't have to be an in-office visit, right? There's that whole mindset around it. So a lot of stuff this year. And, you know, again, a lot of things going on up in Canada, the same. Their, uh, their collection rate, I don't know, their, their revenue per course of care, whatever you want to call it, is a little less. But other than that, man, it's, it's all the same. Cancel rate, you know, MPS summaries, completed plans of care. It's all the same thing up there. It's no different. Um, 
you know, I hope to be connecting more with Rick Lau. Rick Lau is going to be on uh, the podcast soon, if he hasn't already, by the time this rolls out. Um, Sanjeev, who I met up there, who's a great, another guy talking about experience. He's going to be on here. So a lot of stuff. You got any more questions about that stuff? Well, no, and I was thinking of in the stuff that, that in terms of the stuff you've been engaged with uh, teaching it, but what about what you've learned and some of the stuff you've been through and how is that impacted a, what you're starting to teach, but also impacted your thoughts on where it might uh, affect the customer life cycle. So every course I've taken since last, when was that? September, October, up through now, every course I've taken has to do something with cells, right? Cells, let's define some terms here. Sales is lead conversion. It's what you do with those people once you get them on the phone. What you do with them once they walk into your office, right? Once you make that contact and you have that conversation with them, right? Getting a fax referral, yeah. Well, getting a fax referral and then calling that lead, right? That sells too. So all that's lead conversion, right? So lead generation is get those people to call, get them to walk in, get them to send a fax. That's generating the lead. Lead conversion is sales. And that's what everybody, there's the other issue, dude. No matter where I go, north, south, east, west, sitting in the waiting room, listening to people taking incoming phone calls, it is just downright a disaster. And a disaster because people are inconsistent and they don't know what the goal of that call is. And the goal of the call can change depending on how the person starts the conversation. So I, I, again, I've seen that everywhere. And the, one of my big words is consistency right now is just have the same conversation every time. So you can start to measure some results because everybody gives me their conversion rate and everything. And I'm like, but I sat in there and they hung up on someone. So does that call count? So there's no consistency in there. So every, all the classes I did, none healthcare. I'm very proud to say not a healthcare class to be seen. No healthcare people in my classes, which also makes me happy because there's no one in there bringing everybody down. Um, is, you know, I just attended a course that was the best course ever on how to build trust. And these people should be teaching healthcare providers on empathy because it was the best course ever. And without using that word, that's what they were talking about the whole time. And they were talking about it for people selling all kinds of stuff. Nobody's selling healthcare. And if you don't, again, if you don't think you're selling healthcare and you start talking about social determinants of health, you start looking at what the APHPT is doing, call it connecting, call it building a relationship, call it educating. It is all selling. How are we going to get these people to do what they need to do? That is all selling. And so those are the courses I'm taking and they're really, they're really starting to dial me in on the value and anybody who's seen my content over the last three months knows I am, I'm on a tear, the value that your front desk. So what happens from the moment that potential person engages you for your service, physical therapy, until the moment, the moment the physical therapist comes around and greets them in the waiting area, right? What is occurring all that time? So back on the micro level, you hang up the phone. What promises were made? I've come up with, you know, one of the things I came away from, and I know everybody's talking about it with Gawanda's book and everything, but, you know, a checklist. And everybody's had their checklist manifesto and everybody's gone away from it, of course, because it's not cool anymore. But yeah, I brought back a check, you know, I've developed some checklists. And there you go. Andrew just showed me that on the video. So, you know, the checklist, when you hang the phone up, you know, what promises were made so that you can follow through on them because that's part of building trust. Remember I talked about building trust. So all this stuff just starts to add up. So on the micro level, do your checklist, right? Get the emails out, get the video of the provider out building trust, right? In a timely manner, get the welcome email that shows them the front of the business and the address and the parking area, part of building trust, right? And what are we doing along the cycle from the moment they call until the PT meets them to build as much trust as possible. So when they finally meet the provider, boop, we're done. Because our fancy word for trust is therapeutic alliance. 
as Lisa McEnchie says, therapeutic alliance is the face of trust. But of course, healthcare stole the word and it's just trust. So how can we build as much trust as possible before they meet the provider? That is the key. And that is why your front desk is the single biggest asset in your practice. So people who are listening to this, most of them are probably physical therapists, not people who are working at the front desk. So what can the physical therapist listening to it? That makes me sad. Take back to, well, hopefully there's some out there now with all the stuff you've been doing. But what can the physical therapists who are listening to this who are wanting to drive some of this change and implement this in their clinic, what can they go back to, to their front desk or to their bosses or to their managers and, and, and say to help implement some of this stuff. Awesome. So what I told the group of physical therapists that I left last week, I said, if, I said, you know, we went through a lot of stuff. The front desk heard their stuff. And I said, physical therapists, the one thing you can do come Monday, when you see it, you have a new patient on your schedule, nine o'clock tomorrow, you walk up to the front desk before that patient arrives and, and says, and say, what story did you collect on this person? And really what you want to dive it down into is what goals, what are they looking? And I've even gotten away from the word goals. What is Mr. Smith looking to achieve in his time with us? Right? And the front desk is going to say, front desk is going to say, well, he wants to get back to playing 18 holes of golf every Wednesday with his buddies. And he wants to be able to pick up his grandchild pain-free. And then Dr. Andrew Rothschild says, awesome. And he goes back in the back room and he writes that stuff down. And Mr. Smith comes in and Dr. Andrew walks out front and says, hello, Mr. Smith. My name is Dr. Andrew Rothschild. I'm going to be your physical therapist during your time here with us. I know that you want to get back to playing 18 holes of golf pain-free. And I know you want to be able to pick up your grandchild pain-free. I am the right guy for you. We're going to head on back to this room and let's uh, go back there and we're going to get started. Now, many people have heard this before, but again, what can you do in the clinic to do this? You, the PT, walk up and ask. And by the way, one better, tell the front desk to start collecting every patient's two goals, write them down on a piece of paper and post them on the wall in the back. That simple. That just change nothing else but that and watch your arrival rate increase watch your buy-in on the planet care increase that's 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 so big i love that that's something i'm gonna take away and bring back right away what did you find in the in the clinics that you would spend some time in was there what was the reception like with some of that stuff it was it was it something that it was brand new to them was it was there pushback was there you know, welcoming to it what, what did you what did you kind of uh what was your take of that well i want to say it it, you know it's funny people say well this is the way we're doing it and i'll say okay and then i listen and i'm like okay you just stretch the bounds of what you heard me say and what you said you're doing because you're not doing that so there's a belief that they're doing it properly and they're getting people's story so that get their story has to be defined Two, Andrew, you and I both know people hate change. And the reason we hate change is it's the fear of the unknown, right? What am I going to? I'm comfortable with this, comfortable with the way I'm doing it. And most people in healthcare, my wife's home, you know, people are used to doing things a certain way and they get comfortable with it. And let's face it, in healthcare, it's very rote, right? Name, insurance, information. Then all of a sudden I come in and I'm like, sweet, I get it. Now we're going to do it this way and we flip it over, right? We make it totally personal. You're now asking people to tell me a story. How did you hurt yourself? What did you do? And so now you're taking some people who were really comfortable just getting regular patient data all the time, right? Hold on one second. What's wrong? I'm on my, oh, close the door. You're taking people who are really comfortable doing it one way, and now we're saying get real personal. So 100% of the people I brought this to, this is consistent. It's like therapeutic alliance and expectations in um, our outcomes research. 100% of the time, they 
that there's pushback. And it's funny, it starts very early. It's like our patients aren't, no, the people who call here, they're not going to want to do that. I'm like, you think so? Okay. All right. Prove it to me. Right. Let's start doing it. And as soon as it starts happening, we'll cut it off because it's never happened. So I'm like, yeah, as soon as you start getting pushback, you know, with more than one person, we'll do it. And so what I found is I've had to spin it in the way that actually it is, because what's going to happen when you, the front desk, ask this person to share their story, you're going to catch them off guard because it's never been done in healthcare. By the way, their doctor doesn't listen to them. And now all of a sudden the front desk person's asking to tell the story and you stop talking and then they start to share and the front desk person is listening and listening and the person's talking and then you're clarifying with them and the person shares a little more and the discomfort level comes down for both sides. And I think what happens with the front desk people is there's a big barrier on the patient side because they're expecting just to run the road shit and they're expecting to get pushed off the phone. So when we ask these questions, we catch them off guard. And I think part of the uncomfortableness of the front desk, it's misinterpreted. Because the patient, it, we're catching them off guard. So they, the more they do it, the more I find they feel better about it and connect and say, you know what? It's going better. You know what? I've actually felt better. The patients sound like they're more at ease. They thank me for doing this and that. So, you know what? It, it's, it's just like everything else. It's change. It's like trying to get PTs to schedule their patients out two weeks. It's the same goddamn thing. With anything, there's going to be those growing pains and they're going to be uncomfortable. And I've, I've come across this in, in our clinic. And it's something I heard Paul Goff talk about with, with his staff is that there's the desire to try to get off the phone quickly, not necessarily because they're trying to you know, get rid of the, the person on the phone per se, but because they have other things that are going on, whether it's somebody in front of them, uh, other just administrative stuff. What is, what have you uh, heard from that, from that? And what is your, what is your response to that? How do you, how do you address that with people who, when they bring it up? You know, that's an interesting question because I've run into it. And when you come into a clinic and you see how things are being done, more times than not, if time's not being spent on the phone, then there's a lot of other work going on around insurance. So the focus, and I'm not saying it's not work that has doesn't have to be done. I'm saying it's back to the, the patient focus, right? The end user. If, if the focus is on the patient, then that pile of paperwork kind of becomes a secondary issue. If the focus from, and by the way, this comes from the managers and upstairs, so I'm not blaming the front desk people. If the focus is on the payer source, then yeah, the papers become a priority. Then you want to get off the phone to get back to your papers. So, you know, I've been sharing this with people I get on the phone with and they say, well, I hear what you're saying, Jerry, but I'm the only one. I'm the only, I just started this company and I say, well, God bless you because you're going to make the rules and you're going to make the system and you're going to make it patient focused and everybody who comes in behind you is going to do it your way. And they're going to know the patient is the focus and they're not going to get caught up in these other duties. So part of coming, coming on to these more established clinics, including mine, as people will hear the story in past podcasts is, is changing the mindset of getting these people who are so focused on payer and all this other stuff to now go, no, it's this person. No, it is the phone now. So there, there, there has to be a, you know, there's got to be a learning curve yet. You can tell pretty quickly. I'm not going to lie. You can tell pretty quickly who is going to work out and who isn't because as we've talked about before, there are two different types of front office people you need. You need salespeople and you need customer service people and the attributes of each are not the same. And I run in every single place I go. I run into people saying, yeah, we have great front desk people. And I say, what are they great at? And I say, okay, so they're great at customer service. Cool. We want them in front of the patients. We want them managing the patients. We want them greeting everybody. They may not be the right person to answer the phone. There you go. So you have, you kind of do advocate. I know I think you have it in your clinic is, you know, like, 
and we talked about this on a podcast too, is everyone knows what their responsibilities are. So you have specific people for specific tasks as you've matched them to that. This is what they're best at. Yeah, fortunately we did. Yeah, fortunately we did. And and that's the hard part. When I go into some clinics and they got three or four front desk people and I'm like, who's going to answer the phone, right? And everybody's a customer service person. And it's like, hmm, okay, who, who do you want to train? Who do you believe it could be? You know, it's just one person. You spend a little time and you're like, you know, how much, that first phone call, that, you know, that's the other thing I've learned. So I talked about the first three or four steps. Yeah, that first phone call is the make or break. You know, again, no show cancel rate, completed plans of care, outcomes. Tell you what, you set expectations right and you start to build trust on that first phone call and it is pushing a boulder downhill the whole course of care. So finding that right person and everybody's willing to take a risk and I'm like, well, how much business you need to decide and it is what it is. You need to decide how many people you are going to allow not to schedule with you and not do business with you who were the right fit for your company. So you need to decide how many of those people you're going to be okay losing because this person you've assigned to the front desk will lose them because I've sat here and listened to them. That's that's very interesting. What? So if you getting, if people who are listening and then people that you've spent time with, you have that physical therapist who wants to implement this change. You have that front desk person who is, who's kind of on board with changing how those things have been done, but maybe they have a manager or maybe it's in a corporate structure where, like you said, stuff is coming from the top down without you coming in and doing stuff. Some, you know, physical therapist just doing it on their own. What can they do or how can they approach this with those people to maybe start to get the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah. I just had a call with someone a couple weeks ago who really sees the need for all this and wants to make a change with his PTs. And I said, okay, I get it. You're in the hospital setting. Okay, good. You know, blah, blah, blah. Well, tell me about the scheduling. Well, actually three months ago, they took that all away from us. I'm like, okay, who's answering the phone? He goes, a group of people we never see. And I'm like, okay. And they do all your scheduling. Yeah. I'm like, can we get them together to do some of this? Well, I don't know. You know, I really want to focus on my PTs. I'm like, I'm trying to process this going the single largest leverage point in your company is what occurs before they get there. So you're going, I almost don't, I, it was like, I almost just don't want to take your money because you're not going to see a change. And that's the other thing. What do you want to change objectively, right? There has to be an objective change. And I get it. Matt Watkinson talks about this being very qualitative. And I know. Yet I believe, I believe through my own personal experience, there's enough ways to measure this. And if you call me and tell me you want to pay me to bring me on and you can't tell me what you want to change. I want to change customer service. I got that call recently. I want to change my customer service. I have my front desk. I said, okay, how are we going to measure it? Just dead air. I don't know. I'm like, well, you're going to pay me a lot of money to come in and change your customer service. And I'm going to fail. And then you're not going to be happy with me. And your front desk is going to say, well, we really didn't know what we need to do because we got nothing to measure. Customer service is not a department. Customer service is not a service that you focus on to change. You focus on the experience. And then as you're focusing on the experience and how to run that, customer service takes care of itself. Then when someone calls and says, you know what? I'm not happy about this. That's cool. You know what should have went on. You know what? Our bad. Simple enough. Simple enough. Yeah. So it's got to be measurable and it is measurable. All of it's measurable. Everybody can be measured in some way that we can see is change occurring. And customer service is just a cloud surrounding everything. And that makes me think of something that um, I've heard Adrian Lowe say about, you know, your entire clinic has to speak pain science yeah. Your, your entire clinic has to speak customer and customer experience, I think, more than customer service, really. It's it's all driving and as you have said many times, is that you put the you put the customer at the center and it'll drive all the all the metrics in the right direction. Right. So in the center, you know, my patient life cycle is a circle 
people can create it however they want. <clears throat> I think ultimately you got to make it a circle because it comes back to re-engagement. And at the center of it is what I call a loyal patient or a loyal customer. And that doesn't mean they sign on and they're seen, you know, monthly for their whole life because they get better and they complete a course of care and they go away. So at the center of that is that loyal customer and people can see that, that that's what's driving it. And then again, like we all said, you can see where the PTs come in. The PTs can see all the work that the admin are doing before they arrive. And then they can understand. I still think even if everybody's speaking the same language, it doesn't matter if they're not communicating across each other. So, so, you know, I got, I think you were in on it too, that Twitter discussion about the training for the front desk and I get it yet. I've already said, if you've got the wrong person at the front desk, well, you just spent a shitload of money to train someone who ain't going to be there very long. All right. So hiring the right person to fill that role is step number one. You can't train a bad hire and that's back on you, back on the owner. A bad hire is you hired someone bad. So, so you got to get the right person in there and then we got to communicate, right? So that information, the front desk is speaking the same language as the provider. So are they passing on all that information? So when the, patient walks in with the provider on a vow day, the provider's not asking them all the same questions with no regard to the conversation that was had on the first phone call. All right. So let's take this paint science, which is God knows what, all right. It's old psychology and I'm not down, uh, uh, not bashing pain science and everybody teaching it, but let's say it for what it is. It's psychology. It's sociology. It's, it's not new and nobody teaching it claims it's new. So uh, I know they're doing that. So let's take that and use all of it, not parts of it. Oh, we all need to see, speak the same pain science language. No, we all need to treat the person on the other end of the phone like a person and get their story and leverage all the psychology we can and understand at the same time their words are their words and let's just not reinforce it on the first phone call. Okay, move on. Let the provider be the expert right? They're the one with the fucking DPT. They're the one who believes they're the smartest person in the clinic. So now do your job, but do it with the information that the front desk collected. That's the key of this whole patient experience. And then it's so seamless. And then Andrew Rothschild sitting in there going, wow, wow, Dr. Eric Jordy just told me he's going to ask me some of the same questions that Betty at the front desk asked, but, but he told me why he's going to ask them. And he said, look, I've got most of the stuff. Betty gave it to me. That's the beauty of how we work here. And man, the trust level is going up. You want to talk about a biopsychosocial, you haven't even talked about him yet. And the trust level is going up and this person's like, I'm in the right place. Right? And so there's, there's so much more to this than just the, the, how the brain processes pain. I think the irony, I think, is that that's what we want and expect when we go to a healthcare provider or if we go to anything, a restaurant have it or whatever it might be. When we get that type of treatment, it's like this is how it should be. This is how, but then we don't necessarily look at ourselves or our practice as giving the same thing. But if I think we take that view of how would I want to be treated if I walked into this place, what would my reaction be? it's pretty self-explanatory and pretty obvious. Yeah, it really is. And that baffles me all the time. I'm like, how many of you in here like getting, you know, the phone tree, nobody's hands go up. And I'm like, so why do you guys have a phone tree here? Where is the disconnect on that? And right. And when is the last time you liked filling out a pile of paper that nobody told you what they were about? You know, how many people hate filling out paperwork at the doctors? All the hands go up. I'm like, how many of you people hand out a pile of paperwork all day without telling them what it is? It, this stuff isn't difficult. It needs to be gathered and communicated. And we continue. We tell you on the first phone call. I tell you on the first phone call what paperwork you're going to have to fill out. We have a financial policy. We'll have some pay By the way, we auto-populate the things you already told us. So even your patient information form, you won't have to fill in the same thing. So it's just, it's stuff like that. And if you don't think that's the game changer in healthcare or in any experience, and you just think it's your hands-on skills, I'm, I'm happy to wait and see the research that proves it's your hands-on skills because there ain't none. 
Yeah, I think that's that's just phenomenal. Just kind of bringing it all together in terms of really highlighting the again. There's and you you've actually been posting research. God forbid. Don't tell anybody. I try to do that under a fake name and fake account. Yeah, the uh, like I said, Chad Cook. I communicate. Why else? I got nothing in common with Chad Cook, and then all of a sudden I got research, and I shared someone else's research with Chad Cook. That is worlds colliding, dude. That's world yeah. gone. That's Dodgers in the World Series. It's almost I've, baseball time. I have heard him on other podcasts, and I heard him on. Uh, I've seen him on Twitter posting some of those things about the value of the therapeutic alliance and the old sort of just clinic experience in playing such an important role in any of your interventions, whether it be exercise. I mean, we talk about the non-specific effects of manual therapy. There's the non-specific effects of exercise. Part of that being yeah. therapeutic alliance, trust, buy-in, everything. Yeah. You know, we, man, and, and you see it every day out there. We love to swing the pendulum. I'm like, just let the pendulum swing in the middle. Let the patient, we had a, some great discussion in the Midwest about this, how to have a conversation with someone who asked John Wolf, nailed it. My last episode, episode 24, if you haven't listened to it, John Wolf talking about that woman who walked in said, so what helped you? He said, he told that story about, I'm just going to share it again. It's too good not to. So he's early on in his career and a young woman walks in with low back pain and he knows he needs to deliver evidence-based medicine and he's used to taking people through this. So he asked her, you know, so he gets that part of the exam. So what has helped you? She says, well, acupuncture has been very helpful. So John tells you how his brain was spinning and how he worked up into the conversation saying, well, you know, just so you're aware that, you know, the evidence doesn't support acupuncture very well. And she stopped him and she said, all the evidence I need is me. By the way, I would have like walked out of the room. Yeah, no shit, dude. I would have said, excuse me, I'm going to find another PT to treat you because I fucking suck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That just blew my, and yet we, we, everybody's sitting there and posting. I want to spend a day in the clinic with all these people mouthing off all day. It's only this way. It's, Oh, it's nonspecific. Oh no, you can't ask the patient what they want. I'm like asking the patient what they want is not giving it's part of a process. And by the way, some of those same people, I will, they have swung from, oh, you, all you ever want to do is give patients what they want. Now they're posting things that say treat the whole person. I'm like, dude, you, you and, and now you're telling us, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, just ask the patient what worked before and work, or, you know, start to build a relationship with them. Yeah, I went down that rabbit hole this week with Twitter and um, with cupping. You know, there's that same sort of. Yeah, I saw not, that showed back up. Not, not to rehash it, but yeah, and it's, it's true. It's, I think so many people want to get into that, treat the whole person, but as long as it fits into their paradigm. Yeah, that's what's funny. Treat the whole person. Well, what do you do with the whole person who says, I want cupping? How great are you? So you're telling me you, you're prepared and have the skills to have a conversation with them because you never, ever mention it. All you talk about is the research. It says no cupping. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, you, you mentioned, I think you talked about it or you had tweeted about it. Um, and I think it was, I think it was actually from the episode maybe with, with John Wolf. I can't remember if it was part one or part two. Maybe, I think it was part two about knowing ourselves and knowing our biases. Because if we walk into that, you know, we have to acknowledge that we all have biases. And if you want to treat the whole person in your own little paradigm box, that's only going to get you so far. If you're willing to acknowledge that bias that you have, but trying to able to see past it a little bit and, and engage with the person in front of you and see if you come to, again, that true alliance, it's not just us. I think, it's, I think some people take it as we're just doing whatever the patient wants, and that's not true. It's, it's never been that, and nobody's ever said it's, that. It's, and it's in both sides meeting part way. It's like, this is what I'm offering. This is what you want. Let's find, let's find that common ground together and get, so the goal to me, the goal is getting you the best, you, the person in front of me, the best outcome. And by the way, everybody posts like they're there for one visit. I'm like, this person's coming back. I don't understand your approach whatsoever. They're coming back and they're coming back for more than one, maybe six, maybe five, maybe eight. 
you know, there's a lot of opportunity to listen and acknowledge and work through some of this stuff and get them down the path you want and do whatever the fuck they ask for on the first visit. Um, Back to your point. Yeah. John Wolf brings that up. And I brought that up, you know, about John's been talking about it way longer. I'm not claiming I said it first yet. It, It was a thought I had when the pain science started coming around. I'm like, so every we got room full of people sitting in a course with some very smart people teaching who are teaching them how to tell people what to do and how to interpret information. I'm like, how many of those people have taken a course on how to interpret and understand their own biases and beliefs? So I reached out, and I share this story a lot. I reached out to um, someone I respect very well who I've had a lot of conversations with in the States regarding because they got all kinds of pain stuff posted and they fill the classes up and they were nice enough to get on the phone with me. I said, I got a question for you. Where I said, do you guys teach a course on helping the providers understand their biases and beliefs and how they process and how they build up, right? Their thoughts, thinking fast, thinking slow, all of it, all that stuff. They say, yeah, we had that course. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so exciting. That's awesome. I said, how is the course going? They said, we don't offer it anymore. Nobody signs up for it. I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's a tell. I want to talk about a tell. So, you know, I share that all the time. So, you know, I got a couple books. I got about five books I recommend did a lot for me and just, just understand where the, how you're taking in information and where you're storing it. Because, man, to sit across from someone and say, oh, we can't give them what they want and need. And I'm like, yeah, you're just part. I don't care what fucking initials you got behind your name. You're just part of the problem, man. And I, and I can speak as, as a reformer from or a, as being someone who has been reformed from that because I was on that end of the spectrum. I had a story. I had several stories similar to what John Wolf had, many, thankfully, many years ago and had to do some self-introspection and realize that, hey, it wasn't them, it was me, and I have to make some changes in terms of the approach and changing the mindset, changing, increasing education, learning, and that's, you know, going down that initial stuff with several years ago, that was one of the big things. You know, let's bring this back to the patient life cycle again. This comes back to the first phone call. So one of the checkboxes is how you get to their expectations. If trust correlates with outcomes and expectations correlate with outcomes and you're not measuring and starting them on the first phone call. Yeah. So one of my check boxes is that you asked about expectations. And if you want the whole process, then contact me. Um, because when that person says, if, if you're all exercise and you won't put your hands on people and someone says, yeah, you know what helped me in the past was when I went to the massage therapist. That's the only thing that helped me. If I write that down and document it for you and you pull that person in on the first visit and you see that and you're not going to put their hand, your hands on them, I'm going to put that back on you. I'm also going to put it back on your front desk for not putting them with the right person. And I am not, I am not, I am not saying you have to do a bunch of manual therapy. I'm saying on that first visit to build some therapeutic alliance and build trust because trust correlates with outcomes. And by the way, trust correlates with a shitload of other stuff in your personal life and your significant others. And so if you're going to commit to trust, because I know you give up, you give up shit all the time with your spouse. So why is it when you go to work, you have to be the Nazi around just exercise, just this, right? And you do that manual therapy. You put your hands on the person on the first visit. And Jeff Moore says it best. And while you have your hands on that person, you're starting to have a conversation, starting, not beating them over the head about, are you aware of some of the the recent findings on low back pain and being more active during the day? Interesting, Jerry. Voodoo magic. Yeah, I got to get a fucking PhD to figure that out. No, you got to figure out how to talk to people. And God bless some of the, of course, I like the PhDs I agree with. So we'll leave it at that, just like my research. So, I mean, that's not that difficult. 
That's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. Repeat after me. It's not that difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that's, I couldn't agree more. So let me just bring this full circle. Trust, build trust. That is what I learned in my courses because there are people selling software. There are people selling gun safety courses. There are people I hung out with them for three, four days selling gun safety courses, building more trust than some of you build with your people before they arrive in the clinic. Build trust earlier and keep building it throughout the whole experience and you will be successful. Awesome. That's a great way to wrap it up. So this is good. This is fun. It's good to tie everything back together because again, just like everything else, I get my little get in my little circle, my little niche and forget to bring everything back together. Yet, you know, the take home is those first four steps are the single biggest leverage point in your practice, right? doesn't matter where you are in the hospital. That's why that guy who called me from the hospital, I was like, what am I going to do? Right. It's like, what am I going to do? Your biggest, you're not even connected. How do we get them connected? And he's trying to make some positive change and this guy's been put in charge. So the biggest leverage point in your practice, in your healthcare practice, is what happens before that potential patient arrives. How they are prepared, how their expectations are managed, how the trust is built on. And that's what I've taken all the stuff I've done. I've gone to Canada now, right? I've gone to some foreign country called Kansas, and it's all the same thing, man. It's people. And we, if, when we build trust and when we manage expectations earlier and earlier, we are successful. On that note, I will be coming to visit Andrew in June. I was going to make that announcement. Yes. Why don't when, you tell everybody about that? I didn't know when the podcast was coming out, but I said, well, let's might as well announce it now that you will be in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, June, the weekend of June 23rd and 24th at our clinic, the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy. By the way, Jerry, Richmond is the home of the San Francisco Giants AAA team. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. The no, I think squirrels. No, 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 no. AAA oh, is double in a, double a, Yeah, double it's double A. Oh, yeah. we're going to have to look that up, buddy boy. I'll be there in June. We may have to go to a game. Yes, I'm, I'm checking the schedule right now. Yeah, good. Um, you know, the title, I think what we're going to call that course is how to grow your practice. It'll probably change, but here's the mindset. How to grow your practice and improve more business. I'm going to put just more metric, more business metrics by focusing on the one thing, the patient experience. And it really is. And I think you guys have heard this mapping out the patient experience will help you to manage your clinic better. That, that's what was unfortunate about the guy I talked to at the hospital. If he sees he needs to get the conversation changed at the front desk, he's going to have to jump through hoops. And yet he's going to be held accountable for his PTs and their no-show cancel rate. And he's going to raise his hand and go, if I can just talk to the front desk people and change that conversation, I can change this no-show cancel rate because I understand our patient experience here, yet I have no access to the front desk. So understanding every step, every touch point, and what occurs at that and what needs to be communicated helps you solve problems sooner. <clears throat> understanding each step will help you to leverage and push the largest buttons to drive more metrics. That's what else I'm learning is that first phone call changes three, four, five of your most important business metrics and it all flows down from there. And what I find is everybody's trying to plug these tiny little holes in a leaking chip when there's this big hole over here, they can't see at the hole, right? That's what your patient experience says. It gives you a big look, a big picture of every touch point so you can solve the problems. And is you are offering a, um, is there anything you're offering for front desk for the course? In the ah, thank you. Thank you. So this is, this is a course, right, with, with huge ROI. This is not a clinical course where you learn how to mob a shoulder and you go back and wait for a shoulder patient to show up. People are, I just wrote the objectives out today, and there is so much take home in this that um, I asked Eric to raise the price, but he wouldn't. Um, <clears throat> I just wrote the objectives out. Everybody will go home with the map of their patient experience. 
everybody will on day two, day two is all action. Day two is you and your experience. And we're going to do one-on-one coaching. Day two is all action. Eight hours of getting your patient experience mapped out, getting your scripts taken care of, getting your micro steps, what goes here, what goes here. And I am damn near guaranteeing, but I don't guarantee everybody who gets that on the second day will have their, their customer, their pre-arrival experience mapped out with the emails, with videos, with scripts, with everything. So what to do up until that customer arrives, you'll have it all in place. Now, part of what we're doing and I love Eric and the team are so excited about is we are going to be offering one price and for the first, and this isn't going to go out for a couple weeks. So just, Oh wait. Yeah. You know what? I will roll this out next. So the first week of March, what we're going to do is we're going to roll out one price and you get to bring for that one price, you get to bring up to two admin from your office. So that is a total of three people from the office. So because I'm figuring the owner shows up and they bring two admin. All I care if for all I care, sign up three admin to come. Right. And we're going to keep that. And we're only going to take the first 10 at that. And then the price goes up after that first week. And there's no catch on any of this. There, there's no extend this out. There's no 10 payment plan for the first week. The fir- Oh, I'm sorry. First 10 signups. I apologize. The first 10 signups get to bring two admin. And if you want to send three, that's fine with me. And then after that, you get to bring one admin. So the sooner you get in, the better and the bigger return on your investment. And again, I don't guarantee anything, but goddamn, I guarantee you're going to be able to change that practice on Monday. As of now, are you anywhere else on the East Coast uh, for this year yet scheduled? Well, there you go. No. So it's going to be Richmond. And then I'm going to figure out how this, I've talked to Eric a lot, talking to some other people. What I'm thinking is probably offering the same exact course twice a year, maybe three times a year, and just scoot across the country. It may coincidentally coordinate with baseball cities that I haven't been to yet, but we'll see. That's a rumor. And of course I've been to Natsfield like three times. I've been to Camden, but I do have to get up to Boston and New York. So, and Lord knows I ain't going to be up there in April. So uh, yeah, we, if I got to look up the squirrels, cause if they're in town, I, I'm I, going dude. I, I just checked. They're in town. They're in town Saturday and Sunday. Uh, oh, oh, perfect. Well, sa- so we'll, well check sat- that out. Saturday, 6 PM. Uh, whoa, it gets better. Brandon found a great bourbon bar too. I saw. I know. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm very excited this June and these two days, it's going to be that second day is all doing all doing. You're going to leave with everything you need and you're going to leave with your scripts for those first four steps. And maybe you'll have the steps. You'll have all the patient experience steps. We will go through the provider script yet that second day, we're really going to focus on what happens up until that customer arrives, but we will work on that provider step probably at the end of day one. I'll throw that in. Awesome. Okay. All right. Awesome conversation. Yeah. I look forward to uh, June in Richmond. How's the weather? It will be hot. Yeah. Good. And humid. You know me. Well, humid. Yeah. But I just don't want the cold. All right. I think we're good. Thanks for coming. Uh, Thanks for showing up again for taking a break between your multiple three or four other podcasts you're doing now making time for me. Well, yeah, making time for me. Hey, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, with that, I think we'll sign off for today and I look forward to seeing everybody in Richmond and you can find Andrew where? Uh, A Rothschild PT on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, website uh, for the clinic is vcsst.com. I guess ICC seminars for your course and your website as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be ICC seminars. I'm just going to drive everybody there. So ICC seminars Seminars. for June. And I, I guarantee you when you get that email or sign up for the email, because the first 10 and it's done there, there's no tricks to this. The best offer is going out first. There's no special last day offer. The price will go up as it goes on. I just want to get people committed. I want people really want to be there. I actually want admin people who really want to be there. And uh, we'll go from there. And then you can find me at jerrydurhampt.com and on Twitter at Jerry 
underscore Durham PT and uh, Facebook, Jerry Durham PT and Instagram, Jerry Durham PT. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode. If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.